0: Scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Paul writes, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will, as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And may Lord the Lord bless the reading of his word. During this passage, Paul is addressing the third relationship in which the Ephesians find themselves in uh, for various reasons. You know, the first relationship was the marriage relationship between husband and wife, and then he moved into the parent-child relationship, and now he's moving into the master-slave relationship. Uh, And it was estimated, and it is estimated, that one in five people in the Roman Empire during the first century uh, were slaves. And uh, some places it was more like one in three. And people became slaves for various reasons. Uh, Some were born into it. uh, Some were sold into it. Some came from military conquest. uh, Some voluntarily entered into it. uh, But slavery was the norm in the first century uh, as a structure. And what may have stood out to you in this passage as I read it is that Paul in this passage does not explicitly condemn slavery. Which may have struck you as odd. Paul's primarily primarily focusing on in this passage, it seems to be anyway, is how do Christians represent Jesus in whatever circumstance they may find themselves in. Now at the same time, this doesn't mean that Paul approved of slavery or believed that slavery was the ideal, but his focus was here How do we, as spirit-filled Christians, live out our faith in the reality of everyday life, both with its justices and injustices? And for many within the Roman Empire and in Ephesus, this meant how do you live out your faith as a slave or a master? And this affected many lives there, especially within the church And so, whether you're talking about the master slave relationship as it relates to first century Ephesus, or if you're talking more about the employee employer relationship here in the 21st century, what we see in this passage is that Paul's teaching applies seamlessly as it goes through the years. And so, to put simply, what Paul is addressing here is how spirit filled Christians should approach their work. And the question I want us to wrestle with this morning is, what is your motivation in your work? And I believe that applies to the audience that Paul is addressing in Ephesus, and I believe it applies to us today. What is our motivation in our work? Because, you know, as Christians, we believe that work is good. Uh, You know, God created Adam and Eve, placed them in a garden, and told them to work it. And so work is a good thing. Work predates the sin of man. And so work is a good thing. Now, at the same time, sin complicates work. And we know that. Sin complicates work. But at the same time, even though it is complicated, work is still a good endeavor. It's a godly thing. Uh, God himself works. And so as Christians, we do believe that, that God is, uh, he is at work, that we are to work. Work is a good thing. So what I want you to think about As we think about our work is that uh, we work not only to be compensated financially, you have that type of work, but we all work. Regardless of uh, whether you're being compensated for it or not, we're all involved in work uh, to some degree, at some level. And so what I want us to wrestle with this morning is what is our motivation in our work? And there's several reasons that may motivate us to work. For example, we have to earn money. To pay the bills, to buy food, to buy clothing, to buy health insurance, and retirement, and schooling, and everything that goes along with all of that. And we also have to work to you know, clean our house, right? They just don't clean themselves, do they? Unfortunately, they haven't figured out a way to make that work. I wish they would; that'd be great. But that doesn't happen. It just you have to work to clean it. I mean, it's, it takes some some effort. Uh, you have to work to cook your food so you can eat and you have to work to clean your clothes so you can wear them again and clean your dishes so you can use them again you have to work to get that school assignment turned in right students i mean getting your work home is what i call it homework because it takes some effort you got to do it and so all of this is work whether you're being compensated for it financially or not all of this is work and so the question is what motivates us in our work we all work So what motivates us to work the way we do? And so in this passage, Paul addresses both slaves and masters, employees and employers. And he tells them what our motivation ought to be in our work. And so even though their roles may differ, their motivation should be the same if they are spirit-filled Christians. And so look again with me at verses 5 through 8. whether he is a bondservant or is free. And so I want to look at four phrases here in this passage I want to highlight. The first one's found in verse 5. Paul says that we should work with a sincere heart as we would Christ. So work with a sincere heart as you would Christ. And this is a powerful statement. You know, Paul is saying that we should do what our employers tell us to do, In a way similar to the way we do what Jesus tells us to do. Namely, with a sincere heart. And so this idea of having a sincere heart is the opposite of being double-minded or hypocritical. To be sincere means to do your work single-mindedly. It's to do your work the best that you can for the good of the employer just like as we work to the lord we want to do we want to do good we want to do the best that we can for the lord and so we want to be sincere in our work and that we want to do it the best that we can for the good of our employer and you know it's so easy for us to become insincere in our work where we find ourselves just you know working to receive a paycheck or you know, we arrive Monday morning and we are just already counting down the days and the hours and the minutes until it's Friday afternoon. You know, we're just trying to get through work, you know, get bypass the work if possible. Um, and we find ourselves thinking that we slip into this mindset that, you know, our work is really not part of our relationship with Jesus. And we think the things that really matter are those things that include things such as these. We when we read our Bibles. And when we pray. And we go on short term mission trips. And we go to Sunday school. And we attend Christian conferences. And we come to the worship service. These are the things that really matter. But the truth is, those are not the only things that matter. They do matter. And we should do those things. God is calling us to do those things. But those are, are not the only things that God... Is concerned about. God is just as concerned with what you do on Monday as He is with what you do on Sunday. And this is why Paul tells those who work for someone that their work should be sincere, as if Jesus Himself were asking you to do it. And when we begin to see our work this way, when we begin to see our work the way Paul's explaining it here, our work becomes worship. And that's a big transition for us. Our work becomes worship. The second phrase I want us to see is found in verse 6 that will help us understand that even more. Paul says that you should work not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. So we should work to please God, not man. We should be God pleasers, not people pleasers. And what this means is that we should not work Hard only when our boss is looking. But we should be mindful that God is always looking. He's always watching. He's concerned with everything that we do. You know, the story is told of a, a retired man that became interested in the construction of an addition to a nearby shopping mall. And so almost on a daily basis, he would go out and watch them construct this new addition to the shopping mall. And he was especially impressed by one of the operators of the one of these large pieces of equipment. And this operator always seemed to be very focused on his job and seeking to just accomplish it uh, and doing it well. Well, the day finally came when this retired onlooker had a chance to tell the equipment operator that he had just been so impressed by his work ethic and how well he had done his work. And as he's explaining this to the, the uh this equipment operator, the, the equipment operator becomes very um, kind of puzzled and astonished. And he says, you're not the supervisor? <laughs> you see, this, this operator, he saw the man watching him. And he's thinking, oh, this, this guy must be from the company. You know, I need to do the best work I can while well, he's watching. And this guy just kept going, coming back almost every day, watching him do his work. So he's under the gun. You know, he's trying to do his work Well. And I'm wondering how many of us fall into that same you know, perspective and work, in that we, we do our best work when people are watching. But as it as the saying goes, you know, when the, when the cat's away, the mice will play. You know, when no one's looking, how often do we kind of slack off and back off our work? But when someone is looking, that's when we do our best work. But you know, if that's true of you, if you find yourself doing that. Only doing your work well when people are watching, uh, then you really have have not yet come to the um, understanding that work can be worship. Because even though your employer may only see bits and pieces, the Lord sees it all. And as we, and this is so unique to Christianity. I mean, we we see everything in life as as worship. And so even our work, even what may seem very mundane, we can do it unto the Lord, and it becomes worship. And so instead of being like the equipment operator who only works hard when people are watching, you know, the Christian worker uh, should do, the, do his or her best work at all times uh, because he knows the Lord, and she knows the Lord is watching. And not only that, but the Lord... Not only is he watching, but he will reward the good that is done. Look at verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Now, I don't know exactly how God is going to reward those acts of faith, those good works done in faith. But the Bible is clear that he will. He will reward those. And this should motivate us as Christians, as spirit-filled Christians, to do our work to please God rather than people. The third phrase I want to highlight is found in the middle of verse 6. Paul tells us that we should work as bondservants of Christ. And so he's telling those who are working for others, slaves, that actually you are primarily slaves of Jesus. And if you're a Christian, this is true of you. Think about it. If you're a Christian, you have have given yourself to God in Christ. You have submitted your will to His. And so in everything we do, we want to do it unto the Lord. And this obviously includes our work. And so in our work, we should also work to be servants of the Lord. And so we should do our work as if we are presenting our work to the Lord. So when you're writing that research paper... Or turning in the math homework or finishing that report or helping this customer. I mean, in the back of your mind as a believer, we need to have this motivation that I'm doing this unto the Lord. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to provide quality based on you know, how good the person is I'm serving or helping or working with. I'm going to do my work the best I can because I want it to be an offering to the Lord. So we should do our work unto the Lord. The fourth phrase is found at the end of verse 6 and the beginning of verse 7. Paul tells us that we should work doing the will of God from the heart or the soul, rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord. You know, God is concerned with not only what you do, but why you do it. He's concerned with not only what you do, but why you do it. And Paul is telling us that our motivation for our work should be to serve the Lord. This is the why. Now, the what, I mean, it could be, like I said, cleaning your room, you know, filling out a tax form, uh, operating on someone, teaching a child. I mean, work runs the gamut. That's the what. But the why is the motivation. Why do we do what we do to serve the Lord? Doing it... Um, from the heart, rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord, as Paul says. You know, there's an author, an educator, he is, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but some of you may recognize his name. His name's uh, Howard Hendricks. He was a long-time professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. But he was on an airplane one time, and he sat on this airplane, and it was delayed for takeoff. And after a long wait, waiting to take off, passengers became more and more irritated. Maybe you've been there before. You become more and more irritated. Well, he just noticed how gracious one of the flight attendants was as she spoke to the irritated passengers. So he's kind of just taking all this in. And so finally, after the wait was over and the, and the plane finally took off, he he told the flight attendant how amazed how amazed he was at her poise and her grace and self control. And he wanted to write a letter of commendation to. Her supervisor just to how you know great she did her job and so she so he asked her to tell him his or uh, her supervisor's name he wanted to know her supervisor's name so he could write this letter to him or her and she replied that she didn't work for the airline but that she worked for jesus christ and she said that just before going to work she and her husband prayed together that she would be a good representative of Christ. You know, she, she got it. I mean, this flight attendant, she, got, she understood what it means to render service with goodwill as the Lord. I mean, she understood that her work was an opportunity to worship. And so I wonder, how, how do you view your work? I mean, I know... We don't always view our work that way, (laughs) right? You know, you might be saying, well, you just don't know who I'm working with. You know, this is just, these people are crazy. Maybe so. And that's possible. But that has nothing to do with how you are motivated to do your work. Just like this flight attendant, these passengers weren't pleasant to work with, but she saw her job as working unto the Lord. I want to present my service as unto the Lord. To serve the Lord. So what's your motivation? Has, has work become worship? For you? So Paul has spent most of this section. Talking about slaves. And I think one reason for this. Is, is probably because. Uh, the bulk of the church was probably slaves. Few masters. Probably mostly slaves. And so I think that's why he's probably spent a little more time. On that role, but he doesn't spend all his time on that role, because then he switches over from in verse nine and he gives his attention to the masters. And when I say master there, as we translate that to the day, and we're talking about those who are in authority in a a, you know job setting, uh, a boss, supervisor, someone who passes down work to others and holds them accountable. And so, as a spirit-filled Christian. You know, how should you entreat your, your employees? Like if you have employees, if you have some authority over other people, uh, supervise other people, how should you do that? Well, Paul says in verse 9, masters, notice this, what he says next. Do the same to them. And so basically what he's saying is, everything I just said about the slaves that they should do, you should do the same to the slaves or those working for you. And stop your threatening Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him. You see, masters like the fathers and the husbands in the first century had complete authority. And so they could easily abuse that authority. And some did. And this is why Paul tells husbands, love your wives as Christ loved in the church. This is why he tells the fathers Bring up your children. Do not provoke them to anger. And now he tells masters, stop threatening your slaves. He tells masters to do the same. Speaking of how the slaves were to treat their masters, and so he's telling the masters to treat the slaves not the exact same way, because obviously they have a responsibility. Like if you have a, an employer, I mean, he has a or he or she has a responsibility for your. Your productivity and make sure you follow the rules and all those kind of things and so I mean they do have that authority um, to correct you and coach you and different things like this but he says masters you should have the same motivation to fulfill your role your job as those who work for you namely you are doing it unto the Lord so they should treat their slaves with a sincere heart as bond servants of christ knowing that god keeps account of their work and just as they have authority over someone they are also under the authority of a greater master namely god himself who shows no partiality and so if you have authority over people in your work relationship then what should govern how you treat them should not primarily be your human resource manual and that can be helpful But that shouldn't be the primary motivation. The primary motivation should be your relationship with the Lord. I want to treat them the way I would like them to treat me. And even above that, I want to treat them in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, that honors God. And so for the Christian, this means doing your work and managing your workers as an act of worship. So the question still remains for us, What motivates us in our work? That's the question that we need to wrestle with. What motivates us day in, day out in our work? How are we working? And wouldn't it be something if the reputation of Christians was that they were hard workers with a sincere heart? Unfortunately, Many of us fail to see our work as an opportunity to worship. But, maybe that could change today. Maybe as you leave here, maybe the Lord will keep just putting this on your mind and showing you that you have an opportunity to worship. You have an opportunity to, whatever your work may entail, an opportunity to serve the Lord, to present it as an offering of worship to the Lord because Paul clearly teaches us that our work is an opportunity to worship and serve the Lord. And so, as we do our work unto the Lord, even this week, as we begin to work unto the Lord, change in perspective. Maybe may be someone who will look at our work ethic and begin to think about the God we serve. And maybe that will provide opportunities for us to tell them more about who Jesus is. But may our motivation in our work, this week and in the weeks to come, be to worship and serve the Lord. Let us pray together. Father, that is our desire. We confess that that has not always been our desire. Uh, Maybe even this week, as we think about our work, we could probably think about um, ways in which our attitude and our uh, productivity just has not lined up with what you would be calling us to do. Lord, we pray this week, whatever our work may entail, whether it's washing dishes, uh, filling out, forms, helping a client, um, some act of service, whatever you're calling us to, Lord, this week in our work. Lord, help us to see our work as an act of worship. Help us to see, uh, help us to have our motivation not only to be, uh, to earn money or provide a service, but help us to see that this is an opportunity to worship. This is an opportunity to serve you. And nothing um, Nothing that is done uh, is missed by you, Lord. We know you see everything. And Paul tells us that you will reward the good, uh, even if our employers do not. And Lord, this week, I just ask that you would give us strength. Uh, Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may uh, see our work as an opportunity to worship and serve you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.